Shut up and sit down. What's up, world? Welcome back to the Quiet Part Loud podcast. My name's Daryl. I'm the host of this thing, and you are listening to episode 121. Uh, I was debating whether or not I was going to do this show because we've got the interviews uh, and the new show on Friday. But I thought, well, there's so much to talk about. Why don't we just keep it rolling? Let's just keep it moving. There's no reason why we shouldn't. I mean, it's Wednesday evening. I've done work. I'm done work for the day. I've just gotten back from training my uh, my personal training client, and this is when we would record. So why not just record? I'm feeling great. Body's feeling strong. Mind is feeling strong. Everything is is kind of ticking over. And despite some setbacks that have happened recently, I feel like we're in a really positive place. And with the show specifically, I just want to say thanks to everybody that's listened to the show, everybody that continues to download the show, anybody that's rated us on iTunes or, or given any sort of feedback. You know, I love you for it. And it's only because of your engagement and your interaction that this thing can become viable and spread. And I want you guys to share it. I want you guys to tell people about it, especially now that we've improved audio and you know we're gonna get video because I'm just gonna invest in a DSLR camera and do it properly. Um, just stick with us because I think I'm gonna really hit the stride I want when we evolve this thing into actually what it's supposed to be. And I think that's a combination of me doing shows like this where it's just talking to the mic, stream of consciousness type of stuff, the interviews, and then a little bit of variety with the thing I'm doing with, with, uh, with a friend of mine about the films. But when I have someone to bounce off of, and when that person is engaged in the conversation, that's when I really hit my stride because I love to hear people's point of views. I love to hear people's opinions. I love to debate and you know, rebut things and, and give my own point of view and listen to, you know, listen to people rather than just talking to people. So I think when these things start to come out, you'll see what I mean. And next week will be the proof of that. I don't know which one I'm going to release yet, whether it'll be the film review show uh, or the interview that I'm doing, but the proof will be in the pudding and that's going to be next week. So I just wanted to say that I appreciate everybody that supported the show up until this point because in my opinion we've done like three or four proper shows and the rest have been practice can you talk about practice when we talk about practice yes they're just practice and we will continue to grow continue to learn continue to evolve and develop but i just wanted to put it out there that i'm grateful and Stick with it because if there is a tipping point, this I feel is going to be one of those moments. So any way you can help me out, any way you can help share the show, tell your friends, that's, that's the biggest thing you can do. If you listen to this show and you like it because you've listened to it more than once or you know a whole bunch of times, tell people about it. Tell people about it because it's only going to get better. And like I said, I feel like although this is show 121, we're like three shows in. As always, 
big ass water bottle on the go, you're going to hear me staying hydrated the entire show. So I'm hyped. I'm hyped and I'm feeling good and I'm feeling determined. And it's a, it's a new page, right? It's, it, and that's always exciting because I'm, I'm the type of person that doesn't really fear change. A lot of people do. It can make them very anxious, but I look forward to it. And I never hold on to things too tightly because they can just go away. And I don't really get sentimental about time spent, you know, unless it's, you know, in a marriage or something, but with jobs and, you know, with ways of doing things, it's like, if you can't recognize that you're doing something wrong or that there are ways to improve it and you don't study to become the best thing that you can be, then what the hell are you doing in the first place? And I go through waves of being demotivated and, and, and uninterested, and, but I always kick myself back into gear. I always get back to it. It's just a snapback because what are you going to do? Live in that dark space? You got to live in the light. The darkness can produce resiliency and strength and, you know, character. But if you live there too long, you know, it, it all becomes, you know, you, you almost forget to see the light. You, you can't, you can't see the light anymore. So I don't know wh wh why I pivoted to that or how I pivoted to that, but <laughs> um, the point is we are going to keep getting better. And I just want as many people to give us a shot as possible because I think we're only scratching the surface. So anyways, that's, that's my little opening blurb, whatever you want to call it. Um, I want to talk about a few things today. This is going to be more political and more kind of government focused for the first bit. But then I want to talk about the UFC <laughs> that's coming up this weekend uh, and, and some other bits. So the first thing that I wanted to talk about was the coronavirus. We called the last episode a contagion called Corona. And that was sort of just the beginning of it. And in a week, the number of cases around the world is now around the 100,000 mark, I believe. And I think the death toll now is around uh, 5,000 or something like that. I don't have my numbers right in front of me. But a couple things have shocked me about the response to this, both from a government point of view and from a public point of view. And I just wanted to cover a couple of them because it's kind of astounding that people are so blasé. And now maybe I'm taking the fear-mongering route on this. Maybe I'm a little paranoid about it. I don't know. But when something wasn't around two weeks ago and now 100,000 people have it that we know of, can you hear my stomach growling on the microphone? Oh, my God. Time to eat, dude. Fucking hell. Um, I, got a, I got a troll living in my stomach. Uh, if something's not around two weeks ago and now there's over, a, you know, near 100,000 cases of it and it's got a mortality rate of about 1.5%, which means in 100, 
one and a half people are going to die. That's not something I intend to fuck around with. It's not something I'm going to take terribly lightly, even though I believe I said on the last show, the common cold and flu will kill more people than the coronavirus does this year. That's not the point. The point is they don't have a cure for this thing other than time. It seems to just get better like a flu. But at the rate of spread being 20 to 30 times that of the common cold and knowing from experience the lack of hygiene that most people have, I'm not taking any chances. So yesterday when I went to work, I wore gloves. I wore surgical gloves, like tattoo artist gloves. And tomorrow when I have to go in, I'll be doing exactly the same thing. And Friday when I travel out to go and do my interviews, I'll be doing exactly the same thing. The only reason I'm not wearing a mask is because it doesn't help you in terms of contracting it. It only helps you in terms of passing it on is the latest I've heard on sort of the the efficacy of of these face masks that you see, you know, a lot of Chinese people wear them on a regular basis, well before the corona hit. Maybe they knew something we didn't. But they don't stop the virus getting in, but apparently they can block it coming out. Don't ask me the science on it. I'm not a doctor. But I'm wearing gloves. And I think the government's response to this has been ridiculous. If one more government minister or person of authority tells me to wash my fucking hands, I'm going to snap. Like, you have to remind people to wash their hands and not put their hands on their faces until they've washed them? Is that not 101 hygiene? Is that not like when your mom was teaching you how to bath when you were a baby? Like, is that not common sense, if anything else? But absolutely not. Why? I'm traveling with my gloves on, on the subway, going to work yesterday morning. And I see a guy go, sneeze into his bare hand. Snots, wipes the snot off of his nose with his bare hands. And then grabs one of the poles that people use to stabilize themselves on the, on the, on the tube on the underground, on the subway. And I looked at him like he had seven eyes and three heads. I was like, what the fuck are you doing? I don't care if there's a coronavirus or not. COVID-19 or not. You do not sneeze into your hand, wipe it across your face, and then grab a pole that hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people might touch in a 24-hour period. And who knows how often those poles get cleaned because in my opinion, they are a petri dish of bacteria, dirt, just grime and filth. So this guy is one of God knows how many hundreds of thousands of people that don't even have common sense about general hygiene. So maybe the government's message of washing your hands is, is an apt one and one that is necessary. But I don't want to hear that shit. I want to I want to know what they can do to contain it. I want to know what they're doing in terms of trying to find a medicine that can 
destroy it and beat it back in a quicker time than two weeks. I want to know what's going on in terms of finding a solution so that, you know, what did they say yesterday? Potentially 80% of the UK population could be affected by this virus over the next two to three months. They said it's going to take two to three months to hit its peak, and it's going to take two to three months to resolve the problem. Now, they're just doing that from the, you know, from the cure span, right? How long does it take to get over this thing? A couple weeks. So if we've got this many people catching it, you know, so on and so forth. Because they've already told us they're not going to have a cure for this for at least 8 to 12 months. So we just got to deal with it. The other thing that is astounding to me is that certain companies are not taking a more hard and fast approach to protecting their employees against unnecessary contraction of this virus. I'm not worried about this virus in terms of it hurting me or killing me. I'm a very healthy person. <coughs> he says as he coughs. I'm a very healthy person. And so I don't, you know, I don't want to catch it because I had swine flu before. So I know what that feels like. Like when you get a, a, real, a new virus, like it fuck, it's, it sucks, right? It's terrible. So I just don't want this thing, but I know it's not going to kill me. But nevertheless, a lot of employed people are not very healthy, especially office workers. Being a personal trainer, I know this to be a fact. But anybody with common sense and two, two eyes can look around any office and say, hmm, probably some work to be done here in the uh, well-being and health area of their lives. So those people can be affected and those people can probably be more, they would probably be more vulnerable to contracting the virus in the first place. And then put someone in a, an environment where there is a hundred plus people in a very, very small, you know, confined space, an open office. And you've just got a recipe for disaster, right? So I think that it is astounding that not more company that more companies are not saying to their employees matter of factly if you can perform your duties at home you are required to do so <clears throat> unless absolutely necessary that you might need to come into the office for a client meeting or go into the city or what have you for a client meeting but if you can perform your duties your job on the whole remotely you're required to do so because we as a company are going to take a proactive um, approach to helping stop the spread of this virus. We advise all employees to travel at a minimum in low traffic times, etc., etc., etc. And there is absolutely nothing going on. What are we getting? The same stuff the government are telling us. It's just a game of telephone. They're passing on a message. That's all it is. Wash your hands. Don't touch your face. You can catch this through your eyeballs. What are we talking about here? This lack of common sense approaching to protecting people and looking after people and giving people sound advice. It just blows my mind. I feel like I'm on, I feel like I'm taking crazy pills, right? I mean, it's just, it's bonkers to me.
So I will take precautions that some may consider over and above necessary. But what, I mean, yesterday was a real eye-opener for me, right? Because I was in the office. As I said, I went to my office with gloves on, um, stripped them off, washed my hands, dried them. Every single time I went to the toilet, to the kitchen, open drawers, whatever, I did so with like a paper towel because I didn't want to touch as I wanted to stay away from as many surfaces that were being touched by a lot of people as possible. Grab the handle with the paper towel, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It was only yesterday that I realized how filthy, <laughs> how filthy everything is. And I'm not, I don't have any inclination about turning into a germaphobe or, you know, being one of those people that's completely OCD with cleaning because let's be honest, if you use that antibacterial gel too much, it will strip the natural bacteria off your hands and you'll become more susceptible to catching things like coronavirus or the flu. So I don't, like I stay clean. I'm very sanitary. I'm very, you know, very hygienic. But I have no plans in going over the top. What I do want, however, is my policymakers and the people in charge of state services, the NHS, et cetera, et cetera, to be over the top. <clears throat> I want them to be overprepared. And now all I'm seeing is just reactionary shit. They've said this is definitely going to be a high volume um, infection count. As, as I mentioned earlier, they think up to 80% of the population could contract this. They're warning that employers should be ready for 20% of their workforce to be signed off of sick anywhere in the next, uh, what do they say, like four to eight weeks. And yet still, nothing. Nothing. Just come on in, baby. Just come on in. Don't, just, just wash your fucking hands and don't touch your mouth. I don't know why I'm doing an American accent. But it just seems like I need to do some sort of a, uh, a hillbilly accent to, to represent how fucking stupid these people can be. So step it up. Step it up. And America, good Lord, what are you guys doing? I mean, they've got like 106 cases confirmed in the country, and they've already got nine deaths. That's like an 8% mortality rate. That's ridiculous. Germany's got 240 cases, no deaths. We've got 53 cases now, I think, and no deaths. Oh, God knows what the updated number is. But I'm not playing. I'm not playing. I don't give a fuck what anybody thinks. I'm wearing my gloves until this thing's resolved or until, you know, Cooler heads prevail, more sensible heads prevail, and the government says, hey, you guys are required to, 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 to tell your employees that they work from home. My wife runs her own business. If I can track coronavirus from somebody in the office or somebody uptown or a client that I'm meeting or some scumbag on a train, and I bring that shit home and infect my wife, she can't run her business. Who's going to pay Who's going to pay for that? We got to look after ourselves and you guys should be looking after yourselves as well. Don't worry about what people think if you're wearing gloves or a mask 
or if somebody coughs in your face, you turn away. Some guy, like, verbally assaulted my wife on a train because he was hacking like he had fucking, I don't know what, right? It, she said it was like that old fat dude that came in the cabin in Dreamcatcher. You know that Stephen King movie? When the guy rolls up from the woods and he's looking all shit and he's burping and he's farting and he's like coughing and just ugh, he's fucking dying because there's an alien inside him. She said this guy looked like that. She said he looked like he was dying. And she turned away. And he said, what, you think I'm sick? I'm not fucking sick. Like just, just tore into her. I had to, I had to calm her down afterwards. It was ridiculous. But if somebody coughs or sneezes or fucking wipes their nose, turn the other way. Put your, put your uh, sweater over your nose. Whatever you need to do. Fuck everybody else, man. Look after yourself. So I'll be wearing tattoo gloves until this shit is sorted or more sensible heads prevail. But just look after you guys, yeah? Anyways, that's 20 minutes on the fucking coronavirus. How's that? Um... But my problem with it is it's infection rate and it's um, and it's mortality rate if you know the wrong people get it. Again, I'm not worried about me. I'm a pretty healthy guy. You know, I stay absolutely as fit as possible all the time. Well, I say that. That's a fucking complete lie. I am so sorry, guys. That's the only time. That's the only time I'm gonna actually lie to you guys. I don't stay as fit as fucking possible all the time. I go to the gym almost every single day, so I'm in pretty good shape, but let's not get it twisted. There is a lot of room for improvement. Fucking lying to myself there. Anyhow, what I'm saying is, like I said a minute ago, I'm not worried about it killing me. I just don't want the inconvenience of having it because it has, it has collateral effects that I don't want to deal with. And you guys shouldn't either. Anyways, that's enough of the coronavirus. The poor bastards at, at Corona must be just like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? They named it after us. COVID-19, you couldn't come up with that first or something else? I saw this video on, uh, on Twitter or something, uh, Instagram, and it was this uh, black dude from, from South Africa and he was, um, he was talking about how diseases that affect white people get really nice names. And the symptoms are pretty mild considering what they have to deal with. He's like, we're, we, when we get a virus, he's like, we bleed from our assholes. I don't know why I'm doing that accent because that's not a South African accent. Um, he's like, we bleed from our eyes. We bleed from our nose and our ears and our assholes. He's like, what is this? He's like, can we get a coronavirus? I'd love a coronavirus. I'm like, Jesus, fucking perspective on everything, right? But um, anyways, that's it for the that's it for the coronavirus because uh, we got politics to talk about and we got American politics to talk about and I would talk about UK politics, but is there anything more boring? I mean, Boris Johnson is a fucking clown. I saw Michael Gove give a speech during PMQs the other day. I mean, phew, brutal. Just brutal. I got nothing to say. I got, I got things to say, but I want this is, you know, fucking entertainment show, right? So we've got to talk about the entertaining stuff. And there's nothing more entertaining right now than American politics. Someone actually, I think it was maybe Charlemagne 
uh, and Andrew Schultz, they were comparing – maybe it was them. Maybe it wasn't. I can't remember. Anyways, point is they were comparing politics to shows like Keeping Up with the Kardashians or Real Housewives of Beverly Hills or whatever the fuck, right? Geordie Shore or whatever the fuck. Reality garbage. And I actually took a step back and I was like, you know what? That's, that's a pretty accurate assessment of that, of what it is. It's reality television. It's just salacious bullshit all the time. They're not telling you the truth ever. They're telling you the point of view they want you to hear because they know their demographics. They're not interested in the truth. Think about the fact that most news stations are 24 hours now, right? And now think about the fact that in those 24 hours, they're probably going to cover five stories. Now that would be okay if they took the time to do just a little bit of journalism, a little bit of reporting, a little bit of investigation, and brought us the entire story from a from an unbiased point of view, that would be great. And I love it when people try to tell me that the BBC is that. I mean, don't. Please, come on. Anyways, 24-hour news stations that cover five stories in a day, but you don't know any more information than what was reported the first time they covered it. Does that make sense? I'll say it again. A 24-hour news station covers five stories. But you don't learn anything more than you hear when they tell you about it the first time. Meaning, they're not doing any fucking work. Meaning, they're not interested in bringing you the details. Meaning, they're not interested in giving you both point of views they're not worried or concerned or interested in getting to the bottom of things to exploring them that's why you have segments that are seven minutes long or five minutes long or three minutes long They just want to keep it moving and act like it's something different. And then every few hours, rotate out the face that's looking at you. It's horrendous. I've, I, when I work at home, I generally have BBC on in the background. It's generally on mute. But if I look up between 7.30 a.m. and 5 p.m., I do not see anything different than I saw at 7, or 7 a.m. It's a joke. But what I want to talk about, I want to talk about Super Tuesday. Now, for anybody that doesn't know what Super Tuesday is, when you have an election year, there are the early primaries, and those are things like Iowa, the ones that have, you know, just happened Nevada and then you roll in after you've had I think three or four of those to what's called Super Tuesday Super Tuesday is when 14 states in America vote on the primary 
And that's effectively when you find out who is going to be representing either the Democrats or the Republicans in the general election to decide who is going to become the president. So you will have heard of characters like Andrew Yang mentioned on this show before, Pete Buttigieg mentioned on the show before, Tulsi Gabbard, you know, Elizabeth Warren, Amy Klobuchar, Michael Bloomberg, Joe Biden. These are the candidates that the Democrats have or had, I should more accurately say. Now, the one that I left out was Bernie Sanders. Probably thinking, oh, well, you didn't mention Bernie. Hey, Bernie. Terrible accent again. Terrible impression again. Have to get better at those. And I am better at them, but it's a weird thing doing it to my wall. <laughs> um, I, met, I forgot to mention Bernie. I left Bernie out, I should say. I didn't forget to mention him. I left him out because up until this point, he's been kicking ass. Because he's got a progressive movement. He's mobilized young voters, although we'll get to that in a minute. And he had some real momentum behind him. And people like what he stands for. And people like his consistency. So he was finishing one or two in every, of every one of the early primaries. However, cue the dirty shit. And this is, this is corrupt politics working right in front of you. Right? We can talk about Donald Trump's corruption all day long, but we don't talk about just one side and we don't talk about, you know, just because that's Trump and he's a fucking asshole and, and, and you know, uh, uh, just a, a top level piece of shit. We don't just protect the other side. That's not what this show's about. So looking at the other side, what you're seeing now is, is corruption. In my, it, this is, these are quid pro quos in open, plain sight, right? We're not, the deals aren't being made in plain sight. Those are happening in the back room. But this is a quid pro quo, and I'm going to tell you why. Joe Biden, after Super Tuesday, has surged ahead of Bernie Sanders, right? Joe Biden's campaign was on a fucking respirator up until last night. He won South Carolina. Okay. We knew that was kind of going to happen, you know, as there were whispers of candidates dropping out. But two days before Super Tuesday, and you have Pete Buttigieg, Amy Klobuchar, and Peter Sayer, I think it was. Who else? They all dropped out. Not only did they drop out, but Pete Buttigieg, for instance, was placing second and third in most of the early primaries behind Bernie Sanders. Amy Klobuchar, in a couple of those, was right behind Pete Buttigieg. So these people who, you know, would have had a tough go of it, but still had a legitimate shot, said, Nah, fuck it. I'm all good. I'm all good. Let's call this a day. And then the very next day, you see them come out and declare their support for Joe Biden. This is not a coincidence. 
This is not an accident. I would put money, heavy money, on it. That there was a very, very good conversation to say, if we win South Carolina, that would indicate that Joe Biden has the, if Joe Biden wins South Carolina, that would indicate that he has the support of uh, black America. And also those who tend to sway religiously, right? They might be moderate, but there might be religious moderates. If we can get them and we can win South Carolina, we got to crack at this thing. That conversation then happens to the Buttigieg camp, the Klobuchar camp, and whoever the fuck else has dropped out. I'm going to be focusing on Buttigieg for most of this. And the conversation probably went something like this. Hey, it's going to be hard for you to win in those states where I can absolutely sew this thing up. If you drop out and concede the race and come out to support me and rally your supporters to vote for me, if I beat Donald Trump, when I beat Donald Trump, you will have a place in my cabinet. You will have a high-level position in my administration. I fucking guarantee that conversation has happened on more than one occasion with the candidates that up until a couple of days ago were in the running for this thing. Also, the establishment does not want Bernie Sanders. We rewind the calendar four years and we look at what happened with Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders. They fucking sabotaged him. They lied about the votes. They lied about the delegate counts. They completely disqualified him as a uh, potential winner when he was winning. And even after that, Bernie has the character to support, lend his support to Hillary Clinton to try to get her elected, which she couldn't even do because people fucking hate her. She couldn't even beat Donald Trump. She had it in the bag and she fucked it up. But they couldn't have Bernie because Bernie's consistent. Bernie's consistent. You might not like what Bernie stands for, but Bernie is consistent. Bernie's been saying for 40, 50 years, we need Medicaid, um, health insurance for all. That post-education should be tuition-free. He's been saying these things forever. Taxing the corporations. Giving that money back. Taxing the uber-rich, the super-rich. The fact that nobody should be allowed to pay 0% corporation tax. The only thing they have on Bernie is his, um, is his record on voting for gun restrictions. And I don't know why he would have voted that way. Maybe Bernie's got some secrets. I don't know. But other than that point, Bernie is a measure of consistency like there is none other in politics. We have to be very clear on this. You may not, you may not like his policies, but you cannot deny his consistency. You know what that's, you know why he's, you know why he's been consistent? Because he's got integrity. He believes the things he's saying will affect other people in a positive way, and he doesn't mind putting his name on it. No other candidate, full stop, can say that, including Barack Obama who's Jesus to a lot of people. But the establishment, the Democratic National Committee, do not want Bernie because Bernie will shake the system up. And the system works for the Democrats. So 
they use lines like he's unelectable. Or they start to talk about his health. Or they bring up his record on gun law, uh, gun registrations and gun bills legislation, right? But they can't attack his record. And they can barely attack his ideas. Because they're not radical. They're what everybody wants. And more importantly, they're, in, they're what everybody needs. Especially in that country. Don't be fooled by thinking America's so rosy. If anybody is at this point. But the, the DNC do not want Bernie in there. They don't. So they're sabotaging him again. And they're rallying all the other candidates. And even more than that, other candidates who should pull out, who could lend support to Bernie, are staying in it, like Elizabeth Warren. So you've got these, these quid pro quos that are, with a, almost certainty, I say this, have been happening behind the scenes, which is why you've seen Pete Buttigieg come out and support Joe Biden. Joe Biden is so fucking old and senile that Trump is going to mop the floor with him in these debates. The Democratic National Committee, the DNC doing this to Bernie, is almost ensuring that Trump will get reelected, in my opinion. I could be wrong, but what people are going to look at is not the ideals. No, sir. They're not going to be looking at the past records. They're not going to be looking at... Because they don't give a fuck. Most of the American public do not give a fuck. Or they wouldn't stand for what Trump's doing now. He wouldn't have a single chance in hell. But you, he is raising so much money. And even he came out and said that the DNC is fucking Bernie over. And with that statement that he made yesterday, I absolutely agree with him. As I said earlier, I hate the man. I can't stand anything that he stands for. I don't go along or agree with anything that he does. Not just because I want to oppose him, because I think he is, I think he's just dirt. I think he's disgusting. And I think he's dumb. I don't think he's dumb. I think he is focused on other things. He's not dumb. You can't be dumb and be the president. It's just fucking not possible. You got to be good at something, right? And he's a good entertainer. He knows how to put on a show. He knows how to deliver a message to the people he's trying to deliver it to. Okay. Okay. But Bernie's consistency couldn't be attacked. He's just going to run the Hunter Biden. He's going to run the Ukraine. He's going to run his past record of not winning elections. He's going to bring up his voting record on civil rights issues. Blah, 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 blah. And my opinion is that Joe, Bi uh, Joe Biden is not of sound enough mind or quick enough to combat that. Because Trump's going to be dosed up on Sudafed, right? He's going to be all jacked up, sniffing through his nose, you know, pursing his lips all the time. You remember, you know what it looks like. He's a speed freak. There's no, there's no secret around this. Trump's a fucking speed freak. You can see it. So the Democrats have the brilliant idea to rally around 
a guy that on multiple occasions forgets where he is, forgets what he's talking about, he loses his place in the middle of a sentence, he can't recite lyrics to the fucking national anthem. They're going to start running ads against him, showing how gropey and creepy he is with children and women and things like that. I mean, they're going to go so hard in the paint on this guy. But you can't do that with Bernie. And I think the fact that someone like Pete Buttigieg, who in my opinion, is the most well-spoken, the smartest of the lot. He's polished. He knows what he's doing. He knows multiple languages. He's a scholar. Like, he's just a fucking polished dude, you know? He does look like that cartoon character on Ma uh, on Mad TV, right? On the Cracked Magazine or whatever. He does look like that guy. But, he would have absolutely disemboweled Trump. You know, he's an ex-soldier. He's got that on his right. You can't attack him. What are you going to do? Call him call him a homo? <laughs> right? Like, what are you going to do? Trump can't levy any of that shit on him. He'll be fucking out immediately. But I think it's really dirty because Pete actually had a shot. Maybe not down south. And maybe it wouldn't have gone all the way. But to rally against... To rally against... Uh, Bernie, because you don't agree with Medicare for all, healthcare for all. I mean, and because you've probably been offered a VP spot. I wouldn't be surprised if Biden, if he wins and beats Bernie, he announces Pete Booty or does it before and then rallies that support. <clears throat> It'd be really interesting. I'll tell you what I would love, though is if Biden is the nominee and he does nominate Buttigieg to be his VP, can you imagine Pete Buttigieg debating Mike Pence? Oh my God. That would be fucking, it would be amazing. He would absolutely, he would, he would just murder Pence. They're from the same state. He was the governor. Right? Or, yeah, the I think he was the governor of Indiana. Arguing against, like, homosexual conversion therapy. And thinking that, you know, homosexuality can be unlearned. This is a crazy motherfucker. He's a religious fundamentalist, Mike Pence is. Because he doesn't think a man should be in a room with a woman without his wife or her husband being there. He thinks a man and a woman who are not married having dinner together or lunch together and no other accompaniment is completely inappropriate. And obviously Pete Buttigieg is a, you know, is an openly gay guy who served in the military who got elected while Pence was the governor of that very conservative state. But intellectually, he would destroy him. And that's what I would love to see. I just don't think Biden is up for the task. He's still got, uh, what, eight months? I mean, saying that, who the fuck knows about Bernie as well? 
you know, Bernie Sanders has already had a heart attack. I would have wanted him to get Pete Buttigieg as his running mate. And then him versus Trump and Pete Buttigieg versus Mike Pence. Oh, my God. Are you fucking kidding? That would just – that would be an execution. That would be an execution. But, alas, it's not to be. Because the DNC is now going to put their full weight behind Joe Biden. They are going to disqualify Bernie in any way, shape, or form, just like they did four years ago with Hillary Clinton. And then who knows what that does to Bernie's base. I mean, Bernie's the type of guy with so much integrity, he'll probably support Joe Biden too and try to rally his supporters around Biden. And then then you're in with a real shot, right? But you got to perform on those debates. And I just don't trust where he is mentally at the moment. I just think he's too old. I mean, what the fuck? We were crying about all this diversity and change, you know, not only, you know, weeks and months ago. Like, everybody's saying, we need Kamala Harris in there. We need a black female in there. That's who the president should be. But then we realized quickly that a prosecutor-in-chief is actually not ideal. And now... There's no more Cory Booker's gone. You know, Julian Castro's gone. Andrew Yang is gone. Um, You know, Tulsi Gabbard's still out there, but she's not going to do anything. And now what have you got? Pick between the two decrepit old white men. There's your demo. There's your demo. There's your diversity in the Democratic Party. It's as diverse as the Republican Party. And as soon as people fucking realize this, then they'll start voting for people who have what? Integrity and consistency. I think Bernie's a socialist. But I think he's a lot fucking better than Joe Biden. And a whole lot better than Donald Trump. And if it shakes shit up in America, good. Because the way it's going now is not. So I don't want to that's, – that's, that's it for politics. That's it for Super Tuesday. Um, all you need to know is that this is the most corrupt fucking process uh, that there is. You know, this is, this is corruption in plain sight. And uh, just get ready for Bernie to get fucked. That's all. Uh, it's, it's almost inevitable unless every single young person who is eligible to vote in America comes out and supports Bernie Sanders. That's it. So it's going to be Joe Biden versus Donald Trump. Donald Trump's probably going to own him in the, uh, you know, in the TV wars and in the debates. And his Donald Trump's base is going to come out in fucking droves. And we'll see what happens. Fingers crossed. We can't do four more years of this jerk off in office. Anywho, last thing I want to talk about today is the and this is one of the reasons why i was hyped at the beginning of the show because i was like "Ooh, baby we're gonna go and talk about ufc 148 or 248 (laughs) 248 ufc 248 guys if you're an mma fan or a combat sports fan i mean how hyped are you for this card and if you're not then you've probably just turned off and you won't hear this anyways and you're welcome to depart if 
MMA and, you know, grown men and women beating the shit out of each other is not your thing. I get it. For me, it is. For me, it is my thing. And I really, really like it. And I'm still toying with the with the idea of potentially doing uh, an MMA show. But that might be, I don't know, might be a, might be a step too far with, uh, with what I could ha- potentially have time for. But you never know. We ne- you never know. It could be a half an hour show. It could be a 15-minute show. We could do it. We could do it punchy, snappy, you know, nice and quick. But we'll see. Anyways, I want to get into the card. Guys, because the, the card is the card is ridiculous. Like arguably arguably the best card in a long while. Um I'm not gonna go through the whole thing. I'm just not. I don't have the time. And we're you know, we're fifty minutes in just about, so uh you know, keep it to an hour today, maybe. I wasn't even going to do one of these shows, and we're an hour, right? We talked about what? Coronavirus and, uh, and Bernie getting fucked? Let's do 10 on the, uh, on the UFC event. So I'm going to start with the main, the main fight on the prelims, okay? So I'm not going to cover the early prelims, and I'm not going to cover the rest of the prelims. But in all honesty, the prelims look like a great card as well. But I am going to talk quickly just about the main event on the prelims because it's the return after two years of Sugar Sean O'Malley. And if you've not ever watched Sugar Sean O'Malley because you're a newbie to the UFC or you just got, you know, you just got the light switched on on what MMA is, you might not have seen Sean O'Malley fight. Certainly wouldn't have seen him fight in the UFC because like I said, it's been about two years. But this was an exciting cat. He's a good fighter. He's lanky. He's tall, right? He moves like a, you know, like a pant. Like he's just, he's so agile and, and he's got so much dexterity and, and, and he's so creative and, and exciting to watch. And he got popped, uh, I think, for, uh, for, um, for a tainted supplement or something. I don't know. I can't remember. But he's had two years out of the octagon, and his trainer was saying that, you know, they've just had the foot on the gas the whole entire time. He's now gained like 10 pounds of muscle, apparently. You know, he's done it in the smart, correct way, like a GSP took his time, did it, gradually built up that, you know, so it was sustainable, so it wasn't just like fake weight that you're putting on. And he said he looks stronger and it's transferring into his power and, you know, his creativity is up another level and they're looking for a viral KO. And, you know, I'm just so fucking hyped because I love fighters like this. I love fighters like this. Sean O'Malley's a beast. And he's exciting and he smokes weed and he's cool, like, you know, he's a he looks like a cool guy. So I'm super hyped for the return. And he's fighting um, Jose uh, Quino's. I know I've seen him fight before. I just can't recall it at the moment. But all day long, all day long, I'm rooting for Sean O'Malley on that. All day long. I can't wait to see him fight. Like, I'm fucking, I'm, I'll tell you what. I'm half tempted to stay up for this one. 
because you're going to have to stay well off social media with Izzy's game in the UFC's game if uh, if Izzy starches Yoel Romero. But we'll get to that in just a minute. So we're on the main event, right? The main event, one, two, three, four, five. Yeah? Five fights on the main card. Nice. Nice. Starting off, we're gonna go. We're gonna go right through it, right? First fight of the night on the main card: Alex Oliveira, right? Cowboy, the other cowboy, right? The Brazilian cowboy is fighting Max Griffin. What do we got? Let's have a look. I'm gonna have to change the microphone for this. Hang on one second. Good lord. All right, we got 19 and seven, 19 seven and one versus 15 and six, but that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. All we give a shit about is that this is going to be a banger of a welterweight matchup. Whew, it's going to be furious, right? Both these guys, 67% win by KO or TKO for Cowboy and 47% for Max Griffin. These guys want to get after it, okay? So it's not going to – I mean, Max – so to give you an idea of Max Griffin, he either wins by KO or TKO or he wins by decision, <laughs> all right? It's, it's one of the two, but – these guys are pretty evenly matched. If you look at the stats, I think Cowboy is going to be a little rangier than him. Uh, and he's definitely going to have, you know, the kick advantage because I feel like he stands taller, but they're exactly the same height. It's really weird. Anyways, that's just a really exciting fight uh, to start start the card off with. And I'm going to go ahead and say uh, Max Griffin takes that by TKO because I think on a card like this, he's going to want to show up show out so i think he's gonna have a really good result i think uh i think you're gonna probably see like a, t a second round tko on that one and then we move straight on to the next fight fucking neil magny the gazelle coming back right 21 and 8 veteran fighting lee jing lang right you'll know him if you see his face he's got the biggest head of any human being in the world it looks like it's a helmet that's got a human, like human skin placed over it. It actually looks more like, um, like a Boba Fett mask that's got human skin and a face on it. But he's a bit of a savage. The bo again, both these guys welterweights. Magni's going to have a distinct reach advantage. She's going to want to keep him on the outside, probably work that jab, keep moving. Magni's known for his cardio, but Li Jing Liang is going to want to come in. And he's going to want to be aggressive. So, you know, there's going to be a real need for him to establish Magni to, uh, to establish his jab straight away and, and try to keep uh, Lee on the end of it. Lee's a super aggressive fighter. Uh, again, Magni wins most of his uh, fights by decision. Whereas Lee, he kind of he kind of spreads it all. You never know what you're going to get. You know, he's going in there to punch him, but he'll he'll. You know, he'll get a submission every now and again, but he's basically splitting his wins between uh, decision and, again, TKO or KO. Um, you know, you know what you're going to get from these guys. You're going to get a stand-up matchup, right? They both they both land four-plus or near enough four-plus strikes per minute, right? So they're putting output. They're, they're, they're putting output? They're, they're giving output. They're, um, they're, they're, they're movers. These guys are active. So again, it should be a real, should be a really exciting fight. I mean, Li Jing Liang, he lands, he lands five significant strikes a minute. So he's coming at you, right? 
He's also taking three and a half every minute, right? So he's coming and he doesn't mind getting one to give two or give one and a half. He doesn't matter. He doesn't care. He's up for it. Neil Magny, he takes shots too. He takes shots too, but I don't. I don't anticipate this being a grappling match at all. I anticipate this being uh, just straight stand up. Just go at it. Let's see what happens. Um, so again, two, you know, first two fights, potential to be very, very good fights. I mean, I'm really interested to see Neil Magny fight because I don't think I've seen him fight in some time. If I do, if I did. I can't recall it off the top of my head, but I always like watching Neil Magny fight. He's a he's a savage. He's a veteran, um, so that should be a good uh, good matchup. I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Magny. I gotta go with Magny. Nah, ah, oh, fuck. I don't know. It's a toss up. I'm gonna go with Magny. I don't know what the odds are. Oh, by the way, Lee. I guess it makes sense. Lee Jingliang. His nickname is the Leech gross fucking gross um right the coco main event the coco main event is benil dariush versus dracar closer i mean i think dracar closer is coming back off an injury i could i could be just completely making that up so apologies apologies if i am um, Benil Dariush, he's like, you know, he's, he's a murderer. He's a murderer in like, in like a teacher's clothing. He looks, I don't know. He looks like he could be just like a, like an English teacher or something. He never really over animates. He just goes in there and fucks people up. He's 16 and four. He's Iranian. He's fighting a 10 and one and one. Drakkar closer. Now, this is a 155 matchup. Okay, so we got the lightweights going at it. So uh, so this is going to be really interesting. Uh, everything's basically even on this. But the thing to know is that Jakar Closer is very aggressive. He's very aggressive. 40 per, for, almost half of his wins come from TKO or KO. But the great thing is both these guys have really good output. They're up around three and a half, four significant strikes a minute. Um, <clears throat> and again, they're only trying like a couple of takedowns, if that, a fight. So you're going to get another great stand-up match, potentially, right? And for this one, I'm actually going to, I mean, usually I would go with Benil, Benil Dariush, just because he's such a well-rounded fighter. He's so composed. Um, but I just think, I don't... Can't remember Jakar Closer's uh, last fight, but I've seen some training and he looks on point. Oh God, it's another tough one. It's a toss up. It's a toss up. Again, I'm not checking the odds on these, so I'm just giving you uh, I'm just giving you my opinion rather than what the bookies are saying. Uh, let me have a look. Let me have a quick look. I don't know. Let me have a look. All right, I think I'm going to go with I think I'm going to go with Benil Dariush. No, I'm no, I'm going to go with your car closer. <laughs> and I don't know why. I'm just throwing I'm just throwing random shit out. Definitely don't take any picks 
or betting tips from me. I am the worst fucking gambler in the world. So let's, uh, <laughs> uh, who did I say I'm going to go with there? I picked both those guys. Um, I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with Benil Dariush, I think. Yeah, fuck it. Let's move on. Co-main event time. Woo. JJ's back. Joanna Jerchek is coming to get her title back. But she's got Wheelie Zhang, who's the champion, and who is a destroyer. Okay? Now... Wheelie, the champ, 19 and 1. Joanna Yajercek, 15 and 3. What do records mean? Nothing. Except for confidence. And where are you mentally with that? And that's the question I have about Joanna. I feel, I almost feel bad saying this, but I feel that Joanna misses the fame more than she misses the belt and the challenges. I have no doubt she's still working like a goddamn savage. I wouldn't, you know, disrespect her in that way at all. But when I see Wheelie Zhang fight, I worry for girls. I think I get I get worried for girls because of the beating she's she's so heavily muscled. She is so dynamic. She doesn't give a fuck. She hits with so much power. And I wonder whether Joanna is going to be able to, you know, put her volume on her. It's a it's a question I've got. I'm not sure. I'm going with the champion to retain her title in this. I don't know if Joanna gets it done. So it's going to be a matter of volume for me, I think. And whether or not Joanna can avoid the strikes. I mean, Joanna puts six strikes, significant strikes out a minute, and Wheelie puts out five and a half. So it's not like one is just sitting there counterpunching, right? It's not like Wheelie's like waiting on her opponent to initiate. She's going after the fight. But we know Joanna is going to go after the fight as well, which makes me think, can she manage the power of Wheelie Zhang? Because they're going to be exchanging. This is their style of fighting. There, is, there might be a feeling out process. I'm sure there will be. But at some point in time, there's going to be some nasty exchanges. And if Wheelie connects, she, is, she, has, she has all the ability to put Joanna to sleep quick. Joanna does not. Joanna's never really KO'd somebody like that. She always does it with volume. And the problem with that is if Wheelie feels her punches and like doesn't mind taking one or two to get one of hers off and to get, you know, inside where she can really connect with some short power punches, I think I think she's gonna do it and I think she's gonna really hurt Joanna. <clears throat> I like Joanna. I think she was a great, just an amazing champion. But when I see her face and when I see her interviews and 
you know, not when I see her training, because when she's training, she's a she's a monster. But there's just a different thing happening here, it seems, from her. And I don't know much about Wee Li Zhang other than she is a destroyer. And she came on the scene, and she's just mopping up. So I have no reason to think she won't do it against Joanna. And I'm going to bet on her to get the stoppage. Sorry if you guys can hear my cats in the background. They're currently having a post-dinner uh, time uh, scuffle. They like to fuck each other up after they eat and then just leave tufts of hair all over the place. So, um, right, we're past an hour. Let's get to the main event. The main event is, I mean, I'm so hyped. Every time Izzy fights, I'm just so hyped. He's, he's such a superstar. And the simple fact that he called out one of the scariest dudes ever just makes me love him that much more. He called out Yoel Romero simply because nobody calls out Yoel Romero. And because Paulo Costa apparently tore his bicep, who was next in line for a title fight because he beat Romero in their last fight. So Izzy, Israel, was going to fight Paulo Costa, but because of this torn bicep in quotations, which was going to apparently take six to eight months to heal, or six to 12 months, eight to 12 months, something like that, long fucking time. Because it was going to be such an extended break that Paulo Costa was going to need to recover, Izzy went out and said, well, I want to keep fresh. I want to keep regular. I want to stay warm. I want to stay active. So he called out Romero. If you've never seen you all Romero, you probably shouldn't be listening to this right now because you don't have a you, you don't have any you're not into it. So I don't know why you're listening to it. But maybe you're maybe you're looking for some inspiration. I don't know. But if you haven't seen you all Romero, go and have a look at that guy. Go and have a look at that guy who is uh, modeled after a superhero and who is what? 42 years old, 43 years old, has the body of a 25-year-old. A- an elite athlete who is 25 years old, I might say. I mean, he's got an eight-pack. He's doing backflips at the fucking, at the press conference a few weeks ago. He's a maniac, right? Cuban, soldier of God. I love you. I love you, Joe Rogan. Is he calls this guy out. This guy took a dent. He took a, he took a chunk out of Chris Weidman's head. Uh, Chris Weidman's head with a fucking, with a flying knee. He's a He's a devastating individual. He's 13-3. He's been fighting forever. But Izzy's different. Izzy's different. Izzy is... I mean, again, if you're listening to this and you've never seen Israel Adesanya fight, that's the first thing you need to do is press stop and go on YouTube and start researching and bringing yourself up to speed with the technician that is Israel Adesanya. He is one of the best strikers that we have seen in MMA. And this comes from his kickboxing Muay Thai background, you know, which he was a champion many, many, many times. He is just the next level. He is the next level. Everybody says, oh, Anderson Silva. No, no, no. No, no, no. This is what Anderson Silva evolved into. It's a different thing. Because it comes with charisma, it comes with style, it comes with confidence, it comes with brashness. But better than that, it comes with all the ability. And of course, Anderson Silva is one of the greatest of all time. But this is just that next level up. This is a bit more skilled. 
a bit more powerful, a bit quicker, a bit more confident. And I just think this is going to be right. So let, let me break this down for you. Israel Adesanya is going to want to be somewhat aggressive with Yoel Romero in the early rounds. And I personally think this fight goes three rounds, and I think Izzy stops him. I'm just going to call that now. Um, I don't think it goes all the way. Um, but the plan of attack would be aggressive straight out of the gate. Get on him, pressure him, make him move backwards, be aware of the wrestling, avoid the takedowns, keep the volume up, and wear on him. Because Yoel Romero is so heavily muscled, he naturally does not have the stamina or the conditioning. Although he's an amazing athlete, it's just physiology that if you're that heavily muscled, you are going to have lactic acid buildup. You're going to have a different sort of a gas tank um, than perhaps a fighter who's built differently. So I imagine that Yoel Romero is going to be going to want to be quite conservative to make sure that he can go the whole fight. Because the problem with Yoel Romero, <coughs> excuse me, going straight at him and blowing the gas tank is he won't get the gas tank back. And we've seen Yoel Romero in those positions where he's gone a little too heavy and he's had to spend a little extra time on the bench, uh, on the on the uh, on the stool, right? a la uh, Tim Kennedy fight, right? Stoolgate. <laughs> so I would imagine that Yoel Romero is going to want to be a little bit more conservative and save some of that energy. But if he does that, that gives Izzy the opportunity to start putting on a clinic. And I think if he starts finding his range and if he does it early, it's going to be, it is going to be just that. It's going to be a clinic. And I cannot wait because, I mean, all we're moving, all we're moving forward to, towards is Izzy versus John Jones, right? That's a fight that Izzy says is going to happen and he wants to make happen uh, next year. So, okay, cool. Let's get this going. Because if he goes through Yoel Romero, we are off to the races. And if he does it in fashion and gets to 19-0, and 0, I mean, we got to start talking about Izzy in serious, serious, serious terms. You know, he's already a legend with his walkouts and, you know, with his creativity and, you know, with his, with his striking prowess. It's all there. But once you start to get to 19-0, and 0, defending, you know, beating the multiple-time champion, beating everybody in the top three in the weight class, calling out the number three guy. Now we got some swag rolling with us, right? Now we got some momentum rolling with us. And Izzy goes up to the next level because just mark my words, everybody said it already, but I'm going to say it again. This is a global superstar waiting to pop. He's not quite there yet, but he's going to be. He's going to be huge if he can just keep winning. He's got a couple more fights, and he is in absolute legendary status. So, um, 
I can't fucking wait. And like I said, I already called it. I think I'm going to call Izzy uh, third round. Uh, potentially, uh, I want to say two, but I mean, he's going to have to put some work on Yoel. But he can do it. Yeah, two or three, I think. I, th- I don't think it's going to be a long fight, you know? I just think Izzy's got so many tools. He's just got too much for him. Um, but that is why I love fighting. That's why I love professional combat sports because the math doesn't matter. Your opinions and feelings and alignment don't matter. On the day when the cage shuts and it's just the two blokes, the two men just going after it. I mean, what other sport in the world has these sorts of consequences? The only thing stopping these men from being killed is the referee. You know? It's such an amazing sport. And it's so good right now. There's so many great fighters right now. But this for me, Izzy's my favorite fighter. Izzy's my favorite fighter. I love Connor as well. My favorite fighter of all time is GSP. Hands down, not even close. Second is Izzy. Third is Connor. Of active fighters, right? GSP always holds the number one spot for me, and then I rank active fighters. And the two, obviously, always love Connor. He's he's amazing, but Izzy's the one for me right now. I love this kid, and I also love Sean O'Malley, who's fighting as well. So up and down the card, it is absolutely stacked. And if you've never seen the UFC or been a little bit too, you know, weak in the stomach to want to watch fighting. I'm telling you guys, give it a go. It is a hell of a show. Um, so yeah, fucking that's, that's it. That's it. That's it. We're done. We're done. I should have gave you the time. So it's going to be on BT Sport, I think. Um, I don't think this is on pay-per-view. So it'll be on BT Sport too. And I think the prelims will start at 1 a.m. I think the main card will start at 3 a.m. Just as an FYI. But uh, yeah, that's it, guys. We're We're done. Uh, I got to go eat some dinner myself. You heard my stomach growling earlier. Uh, so, uh, I got to go get some grub. So I'm going to, I'm going to peace out, but guys, we're going to another level. I'm doing my first interview on Friday. I'm fucking excited. I'm hyped. And I hope you guys are looking forward to it. I hope you'll tune in and I hope you'll share it with your friends and I hope you'll just pass the word on man. And just, yeah, just help us go to that next level. We can't do it without you guys. So, um, thank you once again for supporting. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, subscribe if you haven't. Share the links. Tell your friends. Get them to sign up. Rate us, feedback, all that good stuff. It all helps um, with the discoverability and everything like that. So uh, we'll be back. And we'll be back on Wednesday. But I'm not going to have to do one of these shows. I'm just going to have to upload either the interview or the movie show that we're developing. Either way, there's going to be something brand new in a week, and I cannot fucking wait. I am so excited, guys. I can't tell you, and uh, I really want to know what you think. So that's it. A wrap for episode 121. My name's Daryl. I'm the host of this thing. Thank you so much for listening. It's a little longer show than normal. We're at hour 15, hour 16, but hey, we kept it moving. Thanks for sticking with us. Until next time, guys. 
podcast.